The Black Plant Chick Podcast is brought to you by Black in the Garden. Black in the Garden is a weekly podcast that digs deep into the soil of Black horticulture. This podcast is dynamic and it's hosted by plantpreneur Cola B. Talkin. You can find this weekly conversation on all streaming services, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search Black in the Garden and I promise you it will pop up and I can guarantee you that you will not be disappointed. You can also follow Black in the Garden on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You guys, you got to check it out. I promise you, if you are passionate about gardening, about plants, about where it all began for us as a culture, then go check out Black in the Garden. And hey, tell the Jade sent you. This podcast is also brought to you by Black People with Plants, a place to celebrate all things black and green. You can find Black People with Plants on Instagram at blackpeople.wplants. That's blackpeople.wplants. Tag them in your post using hashtag Black People with Plants to be featured on their page. Go check out their growing community and support Black People with Plants. Remember, follow them on Instagram at blackpeople.plants. Also sponsoring the Black Plant Chick podcast is the Light and Love Plant Company. Light and Love offers high quality house plants direct to your door. When I tell you guys that I enjoy shopping online, this is what I mean. They're offering very sustainable sourced and packaged with care plants. There's nothing worse than getting a plant to your door that wasn't handled with care. But you don't have to worry about that because with Light and Love Plant Company, they make sure to take very good care of each plant that they sell in their store. You can follow them on Instagram at Light and love underscore plant co or you can shop with them online at shoplightandlove.com hey don't forget to tell them jade sent you All right. Welcome to the Black Plant Chick Podcast. I am your Black Plant Mama Jade, and we are here at episode 11. So before I introduce my guests, I would like to make a quick announcement. I have decided to um, host my very first Fiddle Leaf Fig Tree one-on-one workshop. It will be taking place over Zoom. It will be September 30th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's only $10 to attend this workshop, and I will be sharing all of my secrets um, for caring for now nine fiddle leaf fig trees um, and just giving you guys all of the goods so you can find the link to register for that workshop in the show notes um, of this or you can follow me on Instagram and you can learn more about the workshop there or visit my website at blackplantchick.com and also register there so I'm really excited about my guest today because I love of being able to support other writers. As a writer myself, um, it's that's my first love. So when someone comes to me and not only do they love plants, but they also love writing, it's a win-win for me. So 
my guest today, which is Katie Vaz. She is an illustrator and author based in Endicott, New York. She designs her own line of greeting cards. I'm sorry, her own line of greeting cards, prints, and other stationary products, which are sold in her Etsy shop and in brick and mortar shops around North America. Katie, welcome to the Black Plant Chick Podcast. Hi, Jay. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for coming on. Um, when you had reached out to me, I was just like, when you said you have a book, you know, and you love plants also, I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> um, but I wasn't really expecting the book to be what it is. You know, when you see plant books that come out, so often we see books that are just talking about different plants and sort of introducing them away in a way where you're just learning how to take care of them. Um, rarely do you hear such heartfelt stories attached to these plants. And so that I felt made your book stick out even more for me because you're tying yourself to and your stories to these plants and you're kind of opening up that space for others to, you know, relate to the things that you've gone through and how they relate to plants. And I think that's just really dope. Um, I really, really enjoyed this book. But before we get into talking about that, let us know how you got started with illustrating and then where your love for writing came in and your love for plants. Sure. So I went to school for graphic design um, had no intention of doing anything with writing or illustrating, but, uh, so I went to school for graphic design and then decided to go to grad school to do more graphic design. And I went to a school in Germany for that. Mm. And so I was there for two years and moved back home and had absolutely no idea what I was going to do next. I entered the traditional quarter life crisis and was just like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) Everyone looks like they know what they're doing, but why don't I have any clue? So I moved back home with my family and I knew that um, based on what college professors had told me, you have to move to a big city to be successful in any sort of design field in this industry. And Mm -hmm. so I assumed, okay, that's what I have to do. But I think I really didn't want to. And so I kind of just put it off for a little bit and thought, Maybe I'll pick up some freelance work um, around home or online somewhere. And I also, at that same time, decided to open up an Etsy shop Mm -hmm. as a way to practice illustration and hand lettering. So when I was in Germany, I took a workshop with another student who kind of exposed me to the world of hand lettering. And I just had no idea that existed, but was really taken with it. So I thought, well, this would be a great time to open up a shop and just have it be like a personal thing where I could practice and develop my skills. But it was mostly just for fun, I thought. But um, I sold some greeting cards pretty quickly. And I was just like, what? (laughs) I didn't think anyone would care. But that was really cool to see that there was like some connection going on with other people seeing my work. So I started doing more of that. And um, that kept growing. And that led to Uh, some art directors seeing my work who hired me for a couple of different illustration projects. And that eventually led to a literary agent seeing some of my work that I had done for a client a year or so before that. Um, The agent saw my work randomly and reached out out of the blue and asked if I had any book ideas. And I actually thought it was like a spam message at first. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think this sounds too good to be true. And she must surely have me 
confused with somebody else, but mm-hmm. I'll just go along <laughs> with it. <laughs> um, so I was like, of course I, I do. I have book ideas. And once I realized it wasn't a spam thing, um, I talked to her about a couple of different ideas I had. And that led to my first book, which was an adult coloring book called okay. Don't Don't Worry, Eat Cake. And that was um, what I like to call inspirations for like realistic people. So mm-hmm. this was when I was really struggling with feeling like I had no idea what I wanted to do in life still. Um, And I just felt like really left behind and that Mm -hmm. other people knew what they were doing. And I just somehow had like missed the memo or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I um, filled the pages with realistic inspiration. So things like, like, yeah, you got out of bed today or everyone's struggling with something like things that kind of just brought it back down to a human level, I thought, Mm -hmm. because I was tired of this like excessive positivity that just made me feel worse about myself. Yeah. Um, So fast forward, um, that was a couple, that was like back in 2015, 2016, I think. So um, making books, illustrating books has been my primary thing that I do now since then. So my newest book, My Life in Plants is my fourth book. Oh, Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. And I just really love the process of working on books Mm -hmm. and and illustration so much. And I think it's interesting that I had no intention of being where I am today, but it feels like a really good fit and it feels really natural for me. Um, I'm sure you can relate to that as a writer. Yes. Yes, it does. Writing is just um, like second nature for me. Um, It's just something that I do even when I'm not, I don't have plans to put it out. Um, I love, I love, love, love writing. I sort of get lost in my characters. Um, And there are times when I'm working on maybe like two books at once. And I have these characters living in my head. And it's just like, I can hear them sort of just like going back and forth. It's weird. And it's a a writer's thing. I'm sure, (laughs) you know, you can agree and other writers can relate to it. But I, yeah. I love it. So your, your other books, were they also about plants or what were they about? No, this is the first one about plants, actually. So the first one was the coloring book. And then the second book I made is called Make Yourself Cozy. And that Mm -hmm. is a guide to self care. And it's all about easy things that you can do to practice self care. So I had learned about self care a couple of years ago, because I was going to therapy um, seeing a counselor for anxiety. And that was a topic that came up. And that was something that really helped me. Um, mm-hmm. Because I get into my head, and that's sort of what causes the anxiety. So yeah. there were different um, tips and, and things that I learned about kind of centering myself and getting out of my head. Um, but a lot of it was stuff that was very easy to do at any time of day, and it okay. didn't cost money. And I felt like the word self-care was like a buzzword that was kind of attached to things like going to get a manicure. And yes. Taking bubble a bath. bubble bath. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which maybe those work for some people. And, right. But right. that's not accessible for a lot of people. And right. I didn't feel like I didn't want to spend money to have to like take care of my right. mental health all the time. Um, and I just love the idea of being cozy too. Mm-hmm. Um, around that time I had uh, visited Norway with a friend right at around new year's when it was like super dark and super cold, but they had done such a great job of making it feel like not dark and cold. Everything was cozy wow. and 
time and I thought it's really just about like your frame of mind about it. Yes. So yeah. just having some cozy blankets and candles out like yes. made it like having dinner in the dark was like, oh, this is really nice. It's not sad that it's dark and cold. Wow. That actually sounds really relaxing too. And you're right, like feeling cozy, you know, with a nice blanket, with a candle lit, a glass of wine or something mm -hmm. like that. But just being cozy and sort of like snug um, does feel good. And that's why I think those weighted blankets are so popular, yeah. you know, because they just make you feel almost like they make you feel safe in exactly. whatever it is that you're doing. Um, well, I love that. Are those, all of those books are still available on your Etsy um, shop? Okay. Or uh, Yep. Not on Etsy, but um, online, okay. you can get them wherever books are sold. Like Amazon, oh, okay, cool. And I think if you even just go to like a local bookstore, they can order it too. Oh, okay, cool. I would definitely like to check out the, um, the, the cozy, you said it's called cozy. Make yourself cozy. Make yourself cozy. It's a yeah, great time of year now entering the fall yes. for stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because especially with everything that's going on right now, we're not really sure what to expect going into the fall and the winter. We don't know if, you know, will we be going back on lockdown again, because I know here in Georgia, I just um, heard that Keisha Lance Bottoms is going to be sort of going back to the first, um, the second rollout for closures or something like that. Whatever okay. she did the second time around, she's kind of going back to that because of all of the positive cases mm. that have been coming out. And as many people know, Atlanta, it's crazy because when people say, oh, Atlanta is just out there just living it and they're just doing what they and it's crazy because it's like, no, like there are a lot of us who are taking this very seriously. Um, and it's unfortunate that there are so many who aren't. But, mm -hmm. you know, we just don't know what to expect. So getting into a space where you can be cozy, you know, when the weather begins to change and the days are shorter and things like that. Um, that is important. Well, I love that. Um, but today we are here to talk about your new book, My Life in Plants, Flowers I Love, Herbs I've Grown, and House Plants I've Killed on the Way to Finding Myself. Um, so like I said, what I really enjoyed about this book is your storytelling and how you have all of these experiences from a young child all the way into, into adult years with plants and how these plants have short, have sort of made their mark in these experiences. Even if you didn't really recognize it then, you can you go back and think about how this aloe plant was very was an intricate thing in that particular time of your life. So what inspired that? What brought you to the point to say, all right, I'm ready to basically go through some healing because revisiting all of these different things that happened in your life is a form of healing. Um, and being very transparent and telling these stories is kind of hard. And a lot of people are not able to do that because they don't want to go back to those places. But what inspired you to make that call? That's a really great question. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, I touched a little bit about that, how I sort of always feel left behind with mm -hmm. what everyone else is doing. I've always had this sensation that I'm like not like everybody else. I'm doing something different or I'm somehow like missing out on what other people are doing because I, I don't know, like 
it's like that feeling of like someone, like everyone got a memo and I didn't get it and right. I don't know why. And I've always felt right. different. And um, I overthink a lot of stuff and I compare a lot of things to other people and other situations. And I kind of self-sabotage things that mm-hmm. way. And I ruin a lot of really great stuff. And mm-hmm. now that I'm a bit older, I can see that, that that's how things mm-hmm. have been. It's been a pattern. Um, but I feel like I'm a little bit more forgiving of my past self that way because mm-hmm. I see, okay, like that's kind of a normal thing to go through. But yes, um, it is. Once you kind of realize that you can be a little bit more like tender with yourself if you feel like a pattern like that happening. So I just thought if I could share my experience, then maybe someone else who feels that and is maybe more in the thick of it might feel a bit comforted and think like, okay, Mm -hmm. I thought I was kind of weird that I experienced this life event this way, but no, actually Mm -hmm. it's quite normal or, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so just like being a bit more transparent about that because I feel like that's something that I would have really liked back then when I was in the middle of that and just feeling really insecure about everything. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, I, I, I like that um, because we do tend to be very hard on ourselves, even as adults. Um, yeah. I know for myself, I've had to recently forgive my younger self for the things that, you know, I didn't know growing up um, and being okay with the, the, the direction that my life took now um, mm-hmm. because of the things that I didn't know and being thankful for um, all of the blessings that I have come into um, and been blessed with and okay with the fact that I just had to take a different route than a lot of other people. And that's okay because I am now on this road that is beautiful and I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, exactly. you know, so I, being able to forgive yourself um, is huge. And like you said, being tender with yourself is important because we are too hard on ourselves. And I think a lot of that comes from the things that are going on around us mm-hmm. um, because we might see someone the same age as us doing way more in life, you know, or Right. Someone younger than us who just has it all together. And we're just like, Mm -hmm. damn, like, (laughs) what was I doing wrong? You know, but that's that that wasn't the path for you. And it's okay. You know, it's okay to that not to be for you because you have no idea, even though that person looks like they are enjoying life and it's just amazing and great. You have no idea what's waiting for them around that corner. And it doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know not to sound negative, but you just have no idea what they've did to get there, what they are experiencing now, because a lot of times people show us a side of them. That's not really them, especially on social media. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I feel like just growing up in this world right now, that's what's happening all the time. And that's like, that that's exactly it. The way you said it, like it is like a glossed up version of what uh, Mm -hmm. a person's actual life is. And I know that, but it doesn't, stop me from still comparing and thinking like well, why doesn't yeah, my life all do that? That. oh trust me I'm not even going <laughs> to lie to you on this podcast here today because I have my moments and I'm just like oh, if I would have just done this mm-hmm. that would have probably been me and then I have to kind of snap out of it and say look at where you are 
You, I have to sort of put in front of me, either write it down or just walk around to different things in my home and just say, look at what you're able to do. You know, mm-hmm. you have a son who doesn't want for anything, who is educated, you know, and who is just full of personality. You are, you know, this plant influencer now, you know, <laughs> you have all of these great things that continue to happen. Um, like mm-hmm. I had an experience with what you have mentioned about getting that email and it's sort of looking like, I don't know what this is. So <laughs> I don't want to give too much away because it's still in the process, but that recently happened to me and something was just telling me like, all right, just respond. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's not legit, that response back to you will show that it's not legit because they're not probably not expecting you to respond to the email. Um, And so I had an email like that and I responded and then we were talking back and forth and then we got on a phone call and it was truly legit. And so I'm just (laughs) so thrilled of what that phone call was about and the, the opportunity that is bringing forth. Like I, I wish I can give it all away now, but I just, it's, definitely something that is going to take my career to the next level um because i just wasn't expecting it yeah Yeah. and i can't wait to spill the beans (laughs) oh yeah well congratulations (laughs) but i know what you mean though i think it's like that imposter syndrome like all the opportunities that you can miss just by thinking that like you're not who they think you are or something like that and it's like what if you just get out of your head and accept things that are, you know, in front of you like that. And yeah, it's hard though. It's easier said than done. It really is. is. I think that if we get to a place where we can really recognize our gifts um, and not so much focus on the negative side of things, um, but really look at the gifts that God has given us. And it might take some people days to really figure out what is my gifts because sometimes we're overlooking those things we start looking at um the gifts that we were given as just oh yeah I know how to sew Eh, whatever you know but that's because a lot of people don't know how to sew and can't put together an outfit in 30 minutes that they can wear tomorrow so the fact that you can do that that is a true gift and you should be using that to mm-hmm. help you move forward in life. Um, but that's a topic that <laughs> we could talk about for a very long time. A I'm, long very, time. I'm really <laughs> passionate. Yes, I'm really passionate about people um, just living out their purpose and taking the time to even discover what it is that makes them who they are. Um, mm-hmm. I think so many people are searching for just a quick come up um, versus trying to find something that makes them happy. Like, of course, we all want to make money, 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 money. Right, but yeah. what at the end of the day is going to make you happy, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because eventually when you step into a world of doing things that make you happy, then that money begins to flow in. And you'll look at it and you'll be like, oh, dang. Like, oh, right. I just got to check for it. Okay. Yeah, and that's, that's a great feeling. <laughs> It is. <laughs> when it's yeah, when it's something that's like authentic to you, and you know, you're sort of being celebrated for just being yourself deeply. Yes, and people gravitate to you. But yeah, back to the book. So, there's a story in this book, and although I was not able to relate to it as far as things that happened in my life 
you know, not necessarily. What I liked about this story was that um, you were very honest about not being able to continue to care for this plant after you've gone through this traumatic experience. And so the story is called Boston Fern. And basically it is about your cat who eventually um, gets sick and passes away. Um, but during the time that you, you know, with the cat, you also have a fern that if I'm not mistaken, is sitting on top of the fridge or a cabinet yep. or something, right? Yep. Um, and so once the cat passes away, you're unable to give that plant what it needs then to survive. And so what really stuck out for me is that sometimes we think that, um, you know, plants are going to always be our saving grace, right? They're going to always be that thing that sort of um, holds us down when things are tough. And a lot of times they are, but there are experiences that you might go through and you just may not be able to have that strength to be able to put love into that plant. And so what really did it for me was that, and what I, what I try to teach people all the time is that it's not just water that keeps a plant alive, right? It takes right. way more than, and so sure, if it was only water, you know, your husband or your husband, right? Husband now, boyfriend at the time. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so if it was only water that could keep that plant thriving, then of course he would could just water it for you while you were kind of going through those things. Right. But it takes a lot more than that. And if you don't have the strength to be able to give that other living thing in your home what it needs to um, survive this, then it won't, it, it just won't happen. Um, and so I thought that was very just real um, to kind of go through that and know that I can't keep this fern alive. And so I have to do what's best for the fern. Um, so kind of briefly, if you can, like just Tell us a little bit more about this story and why it was important for you to share it. Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned it a little bit in the beginning about how um, this book seems like it's me working through different life experiences. And I didn't really think about that in the beginning. I thought I'll just pick plants that seem memorable to, memorable to me or I felt like I learned a life lesson from them and, and talk about that but it turned out that working on the book was actually like going to therapy and there was a lot of stuff that I had to get through that I didn't realize I hadn't really worked through yet um, mm -hmm. and one of the topics that came up a few times in the book was about death and what the grief afterwards was like mm -hmm. and so Boston Fern was actually the hardest chapter to write. I think I dreaded having to do it, but I, mm -hmm. I certainly didn't have to do it, but it just felt like it was important to include that because it was a really pivotal moment in my life. Mm -hmm. And so a couple years before that, my dad had actually passed away, which was another oh. very strong, like before and after type of moment in my life yeah. where yeah. everything was different and changed and upside down. And that was incredibly difficult. And, um, which I also talk about in the book, but mm -hmm. when my cat Spanky died, even though, I mean, I'm definitely an animal person and uh, I feel very deeply towards animals and I love my pets very much, right. but this, his death affected me, I think 
like almost harder than my dad's did, which mm-hmm. at the time I just didn't have the capacity to like understand. But looking back now, I see that it was just like a different type of loss that, right? Um, yeah, just like affected me for a really long time. And so right. with, with this death, I, it just, yeah, it just really like devastated me. I think if there's any pet person out there listening, I feel like, you know, like you can be mm-hmm. so attached to this little creature and it can be more painful than losing a person sometimes. And yeah. not to like discount my dad's passing away, but there was just something about this that just like really shattered me. And, um, one of the things uh, that was so hard about his death was that he got sick and it was very quick. And I felt like, I'm definitely like helicopter mom when it comes yeah. to pets, like just overdoing it. <laughs> I <Yes>. know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I felt like, and I think I have issues with control also. So I like to feel like I have control and that's sort of what sets off anxiety when I feel like I don't have control. So in this situation, I felt like I had no control over it and it happened very quickly. And I felt like I did everything I could, but it wasn't enough. And I felt this like very deep guilt over being responsible for something that Mm -hmm. was sick and I couldn't do anything about it. And so Mm -hmm. I internalized it and it, it was just, it was really brutal. And I felt like it was my fault. And I even almost like hated myself. I know it sounds like really harsh to say that now, but I ruminated over the experience for a while and that was it was just a lot to um process I guess and I think because I have issues with anxiety and um when I was younger I had some issues with obsessive compulsive disorder so I think Mm -hmm. I had a tendency to obsess over things and this was such a horrible thing for me personally to go through that I couldn't I couldn't work through it for a while. And so Mm. the grief afterward was really tough to get through. And it sort of just felt like days were these like periods of time I had to just like be patient through until I could sleep at night. I just wanted to be unconscious. And um, I think, yeah, just like holding in a lot of like guilt and responsibility for it was really difficult for me but Mm. the thing that helped was just time and I know that's like a cliche people say but it really yeah it was the only thing that really helped but um then later I found out that like writing about it was actually the thing that helped me heal the most Mm -hmm. and a lot of it was to talk about the grief of a pet and how sharp and devastating that can be because that's not something that everyone can relate to but I think a a lot of people can and sometimes you might feel guilty to feel so strongly about a pet Mm -hmm. dying so I thought Mm -hmm. I just want to be really open about that experience because when I was going through that I was like also constantly scouring the internet for like stories that other people have shared about that and Mm -hmm. trying to like figure out like am I crazy for feeling so like no no not at all (laughs) not at all yeah, I was just so desperate. I felt like yeah. like this is just like completely awful, but I feel like like am I feeling too much? Am I not like moving on quick enough? And there's mm-hmm. that like overthinking it and comparing yeah. myself to others. So yeah. but writing about it really was therapeutic and helped me kind of 
purge those feelings of like taking responsibility for it. And Mm -hmm. along with time, it was just a very healing process to to talk about it and put it out there that way. Yes. Well, I love the way that you did it. Like I said, I really enjoyed these, this book and the stories um, and just the way that you were just really open with how the things made you feel um, from a very early age and, you know, into your adult years. And I think that is a fantastic approach um, when it comes to not just writing, but writing and, and talking about plants as well. Um, it's very unique, and I think you did an excellent job. Um, so you. if you don't mind, I would love for you to read a story to us, um, and I'm sure I my would listeners would enjoy this. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I would love to. So I picked out a chapter that's about a lucky bamboo plant. Mm-hmm. And well, one reason why I picked that was because I think I remember in one of your earlier episodes, you talked about yep. how Lucky Bamboo was uh, one of the first houseplants I yep. think you acquired. So I yes. thought it would be nice to share a memory of mine about okay. uh, Lucky Bamboo. And it also is a little bit about um, me just kind of self-sabotaging stuff because of how my mind works and working mm-hmm. through that. And okay. it takes place... Um, when I was like mid to late twenties, I think. And when I was living with my boyfriend at the time, now husband Mm -hmm. about our unusual engagement. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Lucky bamboo. A few days after Valentine's day, Joby gave me a lucky bamboo plant as an apology for not really knowing what to do for gifts on holidays. There were three vivid lime green stalks in an asymmetrical, smooth white clay pot. It was exotic and minimalist looking. I kept it on a very high bookcase, which unfortunately didn't get too much light, but it had to be there because I knew it was poisonous to cats. Joby didn't know about its toxicity, and he tried to pick out something thoughtful, so I didn't want to ruin it by making him feel bad. I'm too hard on Joby, particularly about things that are obviously stupid now, like being disappointed on previous Valentine's Days, Instead of material gifts, we often spend time together and make memories instead. I now see those, I now see those are so much more valuable, but I used to compare the lack of material gifts to what I was seeing my friends or acquaintances getting on social media. I was a jerk for doing that, but I compare everything to everyone and I'm hardest on the people closest to me. I know what is seen online is a glossed up version of real life, but it still doesn't stop me. If what I feel doesn't feel or look like what I've seen elsewhere, it doesn't seem real enough to me, or it's not as good. I ruined so many good things that way. Later that year, I ruined a perfectly nice proposal because it wasn't what I had expected and it didn't feel how I imagined it would feel. When Joby got down on one knee, instead of euphoria, I felt sick and aghast. We hadn't talked about it. I wasn't sure I wanted it yet, but I said yes because that's what you are supposed to do. I felt like I was watching myself from the outside, seeing myself be like a robot. Most people cry from happiness, but I was about to cry from dread. I thought I should be ecstatic to spread the news, but instead I wanted to hide under the blankets forever and not tell anyone. I was engaged for approximately two hours before I had to tell him I needed to change my mind to a not a yes, but a not now. I couldn't imagine myself faking enthusiasm for being engaged when I felt that much panic inside me. So we waited a year, and then I told him over breakfast at a diner that if he wanted to ask me again, I would very much be okay with that. 
When it happened soon after, it wasn't perfect, but I let it go before I went and ruined it all again, and because I should give the poor guy a break already. He got down on his knee again because I asked him to, and I was wearing pajamas, and I was wearing pajamas and had to pull the night guard out of my mouth to say yes. It was not what I had always envisioned, but he had waited for me. Of course he did. Not once did he make me feel bad for the feelings I felt, even when it hurt him. I wonder why I would ever compare him to anything. I think about moments like this, and I sometimes cringe for how I judge them. But I do not regret taking the extra time to say yes. I have learned that big change rattles me more. I'm sorry that I hurt him in the process of figuring this out, but I just take longer. Things have to percolate a while in me. Decisions are crippling sometimes. Despite all of that about me, his feelings for me never seem to falter. For all of my doubts, he is sure of me. I am learning to calm the twitch I feel to run when things are scary or hard. I often feel like my metaphorical bags were always packed for a quick escape. I'd be ready to leave before I got left. If I felt I wasn't being heard, or if he did something that I thought was annoying, or if he said something that made me go from zero to 60 with assumptions, I thought, I don't need this, and I don't need anyone. I have a tendency to want to cut off anything that hurts or scares me, but I am learning to sit with it. It always passes, and there are moments on the other side that I can't imagine having skipped out on. That bamboo was pretty lucky after all. Oh, I just love it. (laughs) Thanks. I tell my um, husband that he didn't really have a choice of me writing about him, but I'm very grateful that he didn't mind. (laughs) Yes, and that he was so patient with you. Oh, yeah. He's a saint for putting up with some of this stuff. (laughs) Yes, I love that. That was a beautiful story, The Lucky Bamboo. Um, (laughs) Well, Katie, of course, we could, like, talk about this book forever, um, (laughs) but we want people to go out and to purchase it themselves. So please, before we go, let my listeners know where they can follow you, how they can support you, where they can buy this book, all of that good stuff. Sure. So you can follow me over on Instagram. That's the social media that I'm most active on probably, but you can find me at Katie Marie Vaz, K-A-T-I-E-N-A-R-I-E-V-A-Z. And you can also visit my website at uh, www.katievaz.com. And My Life in Plants is available wherever books are sold. And it's also available as an audiobook and an ebook, and you can find those on online major retailers like Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or at your local bookstore. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I love that. So are you narrating the audiobook? No, so there's actually a professional narrator for it. Okay. And she's really great. They, The publisher offered to me that I could mm-hmm. narrate it, but I was incredibly intimidated by it, and yes. <laughs> I yes. thought we we would listen to some samples and I could see if there was like anyone that felt like a good fit. And if not, then I would try to do it myself and figure out how to do that. But we found a narrator that was, she just did such a great job. And I'm like, I am totally happy to hand that off to her. (laughs) Yes. I have an audio book and the narrator that I have. So she's doing my children's book and just the way that she brings the book to life. I'm just like, there's no way 
that I would have been able to do that. Like she can make her voice sound like a little girl and then she can change it to where it sounds like a mother. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. And so she, when I put my book out, um, sort of looking for someone to narrate it, I didn't even know that she was even paying attention to all that. And she reached out because she does a lot of other audiobooks and some okay. stuff on Disney um, at the time. So this was like several years ago. And so she does a lot of um, uh, voiceover work. And so okay. she reached out to me and was just like, I love this story. I would love to do your book. And I'm not even going. She didn't even charge me. So she just did. We just wow. kind of like are splitting the royalties for it. Oh, but yeah, um, yeah. which is which is easy, which is very fair to me, especially because she brings a book to life. But yeah, so finding someone who can really do the books from justice is perfect. Oh, like, yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, I they're was, professionals. Ugh. And yes. yeah, I'm like, you've been doing this for so long and you it's yes. like a different way of acting. I'm like, I yes. don't know what I'm doing with that. <laughs> and I would have been messing up. I'd have been like, oh, darn it. Pay- Let me go back again. Can you please yeah. press? <laughs> like I know I wrote this, but I don't know how to right. say it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Every other every chapter sounds different. You're like, did I use that voice in the last chapter? Is that an accent? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. When did I start talking like that? <laughs> Anyways, uh, well, Katie, thank you so much um for coming on and sharing this with us. You guys, please make sure that you follow her. All of her information will be in the show notes um, when this episode is out and until next time you guys love peace and propagate that was great thank you so much this was excellent hey before you go um i hope that you enjoyed this episode first and my guest katie vaz Please check out her book, My Life in Plants, Flowers I've Loved, Herbs I've Grown, and Houseplants I've Killed on My Way to Finding Myself. It's an excellent book. Really, really, really great read. So I wanted to um, give you guys a quick tip. Someone asked me about protecting their their carpet and hardwood floor from the moisture of a plant pot. So my quick um, answer to that is pick up a um, a plant saucer or a clear plastic plant saucer or plant protector. Um, those protectors are necessary, especially for your carpet or hardwood. They can either be plastic, terracotta, you can get them in ceramic. And a lot of times when we are out plant shopping. We don't even think about that. We just see the pot that we want, but we don't consider the saucer that um, we should get for the bottom of it, of the the pot. So to protect your carpet from that moisture um, that can lead to more damage later, get a plant pot protector. They come in all types of um, different material. They're fairly cheap. I know the the plastic protectors are anywhere from 99 cents to $3. Um, And like I said, you can get them in all different materials in all different sizes. It's necessary, um, especially if you are using your humidifier around your plants. Um, the, The floor around them will get moist. And so you want to protect that so that you don't have any issues later on until next time you guys love peace and propagate and yeah bye